come and go to the word of the Lord today. Kids church can be dismissed. Amen. Genesis 1.26, just open, to the, open your page, first page. Genesis 1 and 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Everything. Everything that was on earth, man has dominion over, had dominion over. Amen. And so I want to preach to you from this title. Amen. Dominion displayed. Dominion displayed. Turn to a few people. Wave at them. Tell them good to see them and you may be seated. Amen. This word here, dominion, that is used that God gave man, said he gave man, means to tread down. That is to subjugate, to have dominion over, to prevail against, to reign, or to rule over. That means when God made man and, and Adam and Eve, they had a power to rule over every single thing on this earth. And now, more than ever, are we seeing the use and abuse of power like no other time. Businesses have been ordered closed, shut down. Billions and trillions of dollars in commerce have disappeared from the economy because everyone's told to stay at home. And tens of thousands of businesses and restaurants will never open their doors again because of uh, dominion being displayed. All because of the details of dominion and executive decree by somebody who was in power declared something. Somebody who had dominion or has dominion over their office or, or whatever, the state, county, whatever. Uh, they have dominion and so they declare, declared something. And with the stroke of a pen, we can see now more than ever the power that dominion has. We can see this dominion come alive from the very words that are spoken and written. And those details of dominion can and have manifested in people's lives. Stores demand patrons wear masks before entering. People have been arrested and even tased for not wearing masks. You cannot buy or sell without a mask, and soon you probably won't be able to buy or sell or travel or go to work without taking the vaccine that they are having ready. If you cannot see that the groundwork for the mark of the beast is being laid right before our eyes, and I don't know what to tell you. We are in the construction zone for the one world government as we see everything coming to a halt. You can see it at Publix and Home Depot, Costco. It's everywhere where they're declaring and demanding uh, people wearing masks before they can enter. Pretty soon you can't enter without the mark. And that is what is here now. But what is coming, they are calling, it's a nice phrase, it's called the Great Reset. That's the, the grand plan, if you will. And if you aren't sure what it is, you can look it up. You have the ability at home to do that. 
Because world leaders have already gotten together and planned out our future for us. That's great of them. We don't have to worry about it. And basically what the Great Reset is, is uh, basically the groundwork of the one world government. This is what they say on their website. It is The purpose is to achieve a better outcome. The world must act jointly and swiftly to revamp all aspects of our societies and economies. Revamp all aspects. From education to social contracts and working conditions, every country from the United States to China must participate. And every industry from oil and gas to tech must be transformed. In short, they say we need a great reset of capitalism. Everything, every fiber of everything in the world, they want to reset. And by the year 2030, they hope to see throughout the whole world that there are no individual rights. No individual rights and no personal property. You say, well, I already, I already own my home. Well, we'll see about that. The citizens of the world, they declare, will have no rights and will own nothing. Government will control everything, own everything. You won't own your house. You won't own your car. Uh, it will all be leased from the government or whoever, whatever powers in place. And these things will be paid for with life credits or some kind of system that they have that you earn. Food and clothing can be purchased with these life credits. Basically, they just deposit uh, a life credits. Is, is if you're a good citizen and follow the government's orders, you get points or you get money, kind of like a video game, but it's real life now. And you, they deposit it into your account, your government account, and you get points or money, and uh, you can go and do whatever you want to do. And obviously, make make sure there's not going to be any overdraft fees, thankfully, but. Um, they, they give that to you. And similar to how we kind of transact business today, except for the fact that if you are a disobedient citizen, if you do things that the government does not like or does not approve of, maybe, maybe going to church, maybe speaking out against the government, or maybe uh, not taking the shots or vaccines they tell you to take, or not get injected with whatever they want to inject you with. And if you don't do that, then guess what? No points for you. No, no money deposited into your government account, and so good luck buying stuff with no life credits or no money or no mark. Talk about dominion being on display. Talking about a, a ruling force that is uh, showing it into the world. And, and the biggest roadblock for the Great Reset has been the United States. Obviously, we're, we're not going to have any of that kind of stuff going around here. But uh, that, is, that is going to change um, at a panel discussion about the Great Reset hosted by the World Economic Forum in mid-November. This was last month. Former Secretary of State John Kerry, Biden's would-be special presidential envoy for climate change, firmly declared that the Biden administration will support the Great Reset and that the Great Reset will happen with a greater speed and with greater intensity than a lot of people might imagine. And so that is what is on the forefront 
uh, of the future. And this is what uh, supposedly America voted for. That is the path that we are headed down. And, and you may have heard it said for decades that Jesus is coming soon. Well, I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is coming soon and very soon. And we need to be ready. We need to be ready for the return of our Lord and Savior. And that's why since this lockdown, we've been talking about what is coming, what is to, be, what is to come. And while the great reset of this world is coming, there is something else even greater that is going to happen before that. And that is the rapture of the church from the deliverance of the saints of the Most High God being delivered out of the dominion of this world, and that is ever, ever so nearer than ever before. You can feel it. You can sense it in the spirit that we do not have much time left. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, a great reset will take place. This corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal was put on immortality. That is what I'm preparing for. That is why I'm calling upon the name of the Lord. That is why I'm trying to seek his face and getting close to him, because now is not the time to be spiritually asleep. Now is not the time to get comfortable, but it's time to get a hold of God like never before. It's time to seek his face and say, God, where are you? God, I don't know what my future holds, but I know that you owe. You know you are in charge, and that's why we need to be calling upon his name and seeking his face. That's why we need to... Uh, fast and pray and, and that's why we get together and do all night prayer meetings and or late night prayer meetings why because why why not I mean with the way the things are going in this world I need to get a hold of Jesus Christ like never before I don't need to become uh, asleep or, or, or come casual with the things with church I got to get in church as much as I can because who knows what's going on out there so if you haven't, if you are here today and you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you're running out of time. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost and spoken in tongues, you're running out of time because those are the details that are given by the one who has a total dominion, and that is Jesus Christ. As he said in John 3, 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus knows what he's talking about. And if you're not getting into the kingdom of God, I don't know where you're going to be. It's not going to be a good place. And if you want to be a part of God's great reset, that's where you need to start. You need to start be, be, by being born of the water and, and of the spirit. That's where you start getting into the life that Jesus has for you. Notice it doesn't say not anything about just being a nice person and you get into the kingdom of God. Just being doing some good deeds here and there, more good deeds than bad deeds you get in. No, Jesus didn't say that, did he? He didn't say anything about just believing either. Actually, Jesus says, if you believe, show me that you believe by getting baptized in Jesus' name, by getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me see you open up your heart to me, and I'll know you really believe, and cry out with tears of repentance, and I will fill you with my spirit. If you believe, then you believe what Jesus says. You cannot get in the kingdom of heaven without being born of the water and of the spirit. 
And so our opening text declares to us what God's will for man was. Uh, 126, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And so what are the details of dominion that God has displayed here that Adam had? What are those details? And he had power and he had authority over every single thing on the planet. Every single thing. Every fish, every great white shark, he could command to swim in circles and jump out of the air like Shamu if he wanted. If he knew who Shamu was. A perfect example of Adam's dominion, that is the authority that God gave to him, is that he could have done that. And maybe he did, I don't know. Because God made man in his image and after his likeness, God didn't just finish speaking everything into existence. Uh, he, he then made man and he gave him that same type of authority that God had because God just spoke it and it happened. That's dominion. That's power. That's authority to do that. And so Adam's dominion over every earthly creature is further illustrated by Adam naming each animal. You can't name someone or something unless you had dominion over it. God brought the animals to Adam to see what he would call them in Genesis 2 and 2. 2 and 20, Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. And so that meant Adam was in charge. He named it. He obviously has the power to name that. Uh, and so you know, how, uh, you know how you don't have dominion over me and I don't have dominion over you? Because you didn't give me my name and I didn't, I didn't name you. Our parents did and that's why they were the ones that we listened to. Or should have. They brought us into this world and they named us, they gave us a name, and they have biblical authority over their children by God. God gave them that authority to name them. And so that if you want to name somebody, that means you are showing and displaying your dominion or your authority to do so. You remember what King Nebuchadnezzar did when he brought the Jews back to Babylon after conquering, conquering Jerusalem and Judah? Daniel 1 and 7, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. He gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So what Nebuchadnezzar was declaring when he had the audacity to change somebody's name. That's not my name. Well, now this is your name now. And so he had dominion over them, and that was being displayed just by changing his name. And so that's how things were back then, and, and they, you could name somebody. If you had ownership over them, you could name them. And you conquer a nation, guess what? You got dominion over the people of the nation. You could do what you want and change names, and nobody could do anything about it because you're in charge. So that's why they gave the names, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Belteshazzar because that was the first, first thing, just a little subtle thing. Oh, I'm going to change your name. Well, what does that really mean? Well, that you understood it. He, he's saying, I have power over you to change your name. An, invent, an inventor is the one who gets to name his invention. 
You don't like what it's called? Too bad. You can make something else up. You can call it whatever you want. He made it. He created it. So he gets to name it. That's, that's dominion. That's uh, authority and power over it. And so whatever name your parents gave to you, you have. But did you know that you can still get a new name? No matter if you like your name or not, that's not the point. You can still get a new name. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And that includes a new name. A new name that is written down in glory for you. Just because you gave your life to Jesus Christ, he then will give you a new name. Aren't you thankful that God gives us a new name? That means he has dominion and authority over us. Revelation 2.17, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh. Will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in that stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. But to, in order to get that new name, what does it say? You got to overcome. You got to keep on fighting. You got to fight the good fight of faith, and don't let the enemy steal your joy, steal your faith, steal your future. To him that overcometh, I will give you a new name. God will be there for you. He will give you a new name, and he will watch you and help you get through it. But what does that mean if God is going to give you a new name? That means he's in control, right? If you want a new name, you got to surrender. That means you've surrendered your life to him that you declare through repentance and obedience to his word that he now is in charge. It's no longer my will, but it's his will to be done. It's no longer my kingdom, but it's his kingdom to come. And you start living a godly life and having God, having dominion in your life, and you will be transformed, and God will give you a new name. But you can't get a new name unless you say, God, you're in charge. Because that's where the authority to change names comes from. And so just look at what happened when Jacob got tired of being in charge of his own life. He sent everyone away. Sent his wives, his kids, he sent everybody away. And he said, I've got to get alone with God. I'm tired of living this life. I, I'm calling a meeting with the Lord, with Jehovah. And, and so we might think that Jacob prevailed because he wrestled all night and would not give up. But we see who the real winner is. When it was all over, Jacob had his name changed to Israel. And how did that happen unless Jacob surrendered to God? And he let God be in charge, and Jacob, or Israel, never walked the same again. He was different. He was a new man. And because that's all it takes is one night, one encounter with Jesus Christ, one altar call, one church service. When you really, truly give God complete control of your life, you too will walk out of here differently. You too will walk out of here with a new name, a new creature in Christ a new anointing in God if you truly surrender to him and say, God, you have dominion. If you're still worrying, 
if you're still the same, if you're still in control, and you're still holding on, you need to give it to God today. You need to give your heart to him. You need to give God your future and give him your life, and he will give you a new name and a new path to take and let God fill in all the details that you don't need to worry about. When you're a servant of the king, it's not your business to worry about the details. You just receive the orders. It's the king's business to worry about what's going on. And so Adam was just like his father who had dominion of power and authority. But then something happened. Genesis 3.1, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, stop the tape right there. This whole thing should have ended right there. Adam, who was right there, should have spoken up before the serpent said his second word. Adam, who had dominion over the serpent, should have said, Serpent, what are you doing talking? What are you doing talking? You need to shut your mouth and don't say another word because as far as I know, serpents don't talk. Animals don't talk. They make noises, and I don't understand what they're saying, and they're not speaking in English. If they start speaking in English, I'm thinking, what's going on here? So all of a sudden, this serpent just starts talking. And they don't have the brain capacity to speak words and formulate a vocabulary and converse with a human being. It took us years to learn how to speak, speak English or speak the language you grew up with. And all of a sudden, this, this serpent just starts speaking words that they, they are understanding. And so uh, Adam should have said, you need to hush your mouth, serpent. You're out of line. What are you doing talking? And that serpent would have had to obey. Why? Because God gave Adam dominion over all the earth, over all the fowls of the air, over all the cattle, over everything that creepeth upon the earth, and that includes the serpent. But instead of silencing the serpent, Adam let it keep talking. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said... You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Verse 2, and the woman said unto the serpent, now here we go, Adam. Another opportunity. Your wife is now conversing with a serpent. And you don't think anything's wrong here. What's going on here, Adam? Come on, give her the program. She said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of, of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it lest ye die. Why is she even saying this to the serpent? Why are you going to waste your time talking to an animal? Uh, and the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. For God knows, doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And now the, the people that were in charge, Adam and Eve were in charge. Now, they are listening to an animal. The people in charge are listening to a serpent. And they're letting the serpent tell them things and inform them things uh, on the ways of the garden, on how things should be going or, or the truth about stuff. And, and, and that's like parents 
listening to their children and letting them boss them around. We've all seen that happen, right? Maybe you've experienced it. Our eyes, are, our eyes get widened. Did they just say that? What? That's what Adam should have said when, when he heard the serpent speak. What? Shake our heads because when we see children telling their parents what to do, we know something's not right there. Authority has been twisted somehow, and the parent or parents let their children strip them of their dominion and of their authority because since they did not exercise it, and instead they listen to their children, and if that happens, then chaos is going to come into the family. The parents will watch in in disbelief and unbelief and, and question, what happened to my little princess? I gave them everything, I listened to whatever they said and did whatever they did, and, and why is their life and our life and our family's life in such turmoil and chaos? I'll tell you why. The things got twisted up a little bit. Uh, the dominion was twisted, and, and who was in charge should have said something, but instead the subordinates started speaking back against the one who was in charge, and then things get out of divine order. What can you expect when dominion is devalued and authority is not exercised and and rebellion is allowed to continue? Things get out of divine order, and that is exactly what happened in the garden right here when Adam did not display the dominion that was given to him. And he let the serpent keep on talking, and if you let the enemy keep talking long enough, Guess what? You'll start believing. You'll start believing what the enemy is saying. Those little seeds of doubt that he starts sowing in your mind. Those little thoughts and imaginations they throw in there. The longer you let that happen, the more you start believing it as truth. Even though it may be partial truth, it comes from the enemy. It comes from the devil. It comes from the father of lies. And so why should we believe anything he says? And now the ruler of the earth is listening to and taking orders and taking advice from a serpent. And all of this happened before a single bite of the fruit was taken. It was almost already over. You start conversing with a serpent, you'll you'll end up doing what he wants. And so it may seem cute and funny at first. Honey, look at this little serpent talking. He knows our language. I can understand what he's saying. He's cute. Let's pet him. Take him home. He could be a pet. It may seem cute and funny at first, and uh, but the longer you listen, the less you are to do something about it. The longer you entertain that spirit, the less you'll do something about it. The longer you listen to that music or watch those movies, the less you'll do something about it. The longer you let that ungodly relationship continue, the harder it's going to be to get out of it. And the longer that ungodly habit goes on, the tighter the shackles become. Why? Because we don't do anything about it when we've been given the authority and power to do something. But if we don't do it, The longer we let it happen, the less we'll do something about it. And soon enough, you'll be taking a bite out of the forbidden fruit. And you'll wonder, 
How did I get here? What happened? But I'm here to tell you today that no matter how long you may have been listening to that serpent, you can silence him today. Today is the day we come back at the enemy and say, you've talked long enough. We're not dealing with you any longer. You need to hush your mouth, Satan. Silence and we rebuke you in Jesus' name. No matter how long you've been living that way or how far it's pulled you from God, you're in the right place today. God can set you free from that life the Holy Ghost can restore that divine order in your life because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It doesn't matter what you've been listening to, how far you've been from God. You're in the right place today. All you got to do is to surrender your arms to Jesus Christ, lift them up, and God can come in and start rearranging things the way they should be according to His divine plan. But notice what Notice what Eve said about the forbidden tree. The details she gave or what she knew about it, Genesis 3.3. She says, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. So her description of this tree was just that. It was the tree in the middle of the garden. That's all she knew about it, just in the middle. I don't even know if they walked by it or ever saw it before, but she knew that there was a tree in the middle of the garden that you can't touch. But after letting the serpent talk just a little bit and listening to what it says, and now let's look at her perspective, how things have changed. In Genesis 3 and 6, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Oh, now all of a sudden it's good for food. Well, where did that idea come from? I just, it was just a few verses before, it was just a tree in the middle of the garden. Now all of a sudden it's good for food. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. And, and now it's a tree to be desired, to make one wise. And so she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. And so now it was no longer just a tree in the middle of the garden. Now it was a tree to be desired. A tree that will make one wise. Where did you hear all of that? Well, that the serpent that had never talked before all of a sudden started talking. And I listened to it and instead of telling it to be quiet, I believed what it said. And you no wonder why uh, there is chaos in this world. The man who was in charge let rebellion happen right before his eyes, and he didn't do anything or he didn't even say anything about it. He just let it happen. It never should have got that far. Adam should have silenced that serpent with the dominion that he had. Right when he started to open his mouth, he said, shut your mouth, serpent. You have no business talking in this place. I'm in charge. I have dominion and I rule over this place. And you need to keep your mouth quiet. That's about as far as it should have went. But instead, he let it happen and then he got caught up in it. And not only did Adam lose his dominion and authority, but he lost his home. He lost his divine blessing. He lost the divine protection. He lost favor and peace in his family. And, and Satan gained dominion and authority. 
transfer happened. You're not using your dominion. Well, I'll take it then. And now Satan is known as the prince of this world, the prince of the power of the air. And I'm here to say if we're not careful, the devil will try to take from you all that God has planned for you. He'll wreck your house. He'll wreck your life. He'll wreck your family if you let the devil in and you entertain him and let him talk and you start believing what he's saying. He'll take everything from you. And the only reason that the devil shows up is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the only reason he's showing up. So why would we even let him talk? Why would we let him talk? Why would we let him say two words? Why would we start listening to what he's saying? No, we need to cut him off as soon as he shows up. Get thee behind me, Satan, that I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ because you have no dominion here. You have no authority over the people of God. But the longer the devil talks, the worse it ends up for you. The longer he talks, the worse it is for you. That's why we need to exercise the dominion and authority that God gave us and rebuke the enemy and just say, we're not, we're not, we don't got time for that. We're not going to listen to what you're saying. Why? Because you're the father of lies. I can't believe anything you say out of your mouth. It's all lies. And it, some of it may be truth, but it's all twi twisted up with lies and in deceit. And so I'm not going to listen to anything you have to say. Musicians, if you would come. Isn't that what Michael, the archangel, did with the devil? They had a meeting. Jude 1 and 9. <clears throat> Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Moses died. Devil shows up and says, I want his body. God sends Michael the archangel down there to say, Why do you want his body? Dost, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. That's all, that's all Michael did with that with the devil. He says, I'm not, I'm not uh, the mighty Michael didn't fiddle around with the devil. He didn't wrestle with him. He didn't get into an argument. He didn't let the devil explain his reasons for wanting the body of Moses. No. All Michael said is, I don't got time to listen to you, Satan. And I don't care what you have to say anyways. You're the father of lies. Satan, the Lord rebuked thee. And it was all over there. He silenced the devil. And that's how it should end. This is how things should go when the enemy shows up and starts talking in your life. The Lord rebuke thee. I rebuke thee in Jesus' name. We have no conversation here. Not going to have you come in and sit down and have a cup of tea and we talk about what you're, what you're here for. No, you're only here to steal, kill, and destroy. And so why am I going to even spend a, a half a second listening to what kind of sales pitch that you have? And it may sound good to the flesh, but I know it doesn't end up well for me. And so the longer you talk, devil, the worse it is for me. And so I'm going to silence you right at the beginning, and I'm going to go on living the blessed life that God has called for me as long as we're walking into authority and the power and the dominion of the Spirit. We don't have to waste our time Dealing with the enemy. The problem is, sometimes we let him. We let him in, we let him talk, entertain him. 
Jesus was led into the, into the wilderness by the Spirit. We know what happened. That old serpent showed up and he started talking again. Luke 4 and 1, Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Let me comment here for a second. He was full of the Holy Ghost. Then the Spirit says, time to go in the wilderness, pal. A lot of times we think we're full of the Holy Ghost, therefore we don't have to go in the wilderness anymore because God delivered us and God's got great blessing things for us. Well, Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost and, and the Spirit said, it's time to go away from everybody. It's time to go out where there's nothing out there. It's time to withdraw from everyone and spend some time in the wilderness. And so just because we're filled with the Holy Ghost does not mean that we are exempt from the wilderness. Verse 2, being 40 days tempted of the devil. 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he didn't eat anything, did eat nothing. And when they were ended, afterward he hungered. Yeah, no kidding. I'm hungry, I'm starving, I miss a meal. He was out there fighting the devil for 40 days, didn't eat anything. No wonder he hungered. And so 40 days... Jesus let the devil talk. He let the devil talk. He wanted to hear every trick that he had. Every trick that he uses against humanity, he says, you throw that at me because I need to hear it. I need to understand what my people are going through. And so you unload everything you have on me, devil. Forty days I'll be here with you. I want to hear your every strategy, every twisted truth. I want to hear your every sales pitch of how great sin is. I want to hear it. And so I'm going to let you talk for 40 days. And Jesus sat through every 30-minute uh, multi-level marketing meeting. And after three hours, he said, all I have to pay is $199. He listened to it all. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points as we are, and yet without sin. He experienced everything that we can have imagined that we've experienced. God experienced it. Jesus felt it all. Jesus heard every lie. And yet he never believed the serpent. And, and after not eating for 40 days, uh, this is what the devil said to them, verse 3. And the devil said, if thou be the son of God, command this stone that it, may, it be made bread. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, man, I haven't eaten 40 days. Just turn this rock into a piece of, piece of bread. I don't care who you are. After not eating for 40 days, that doesn't sound bad at all. As much as you turn away carbs and lose points for them, let me tell you, you'll be craving those carbs after 40 days. You'll be looking at those stones and you might be taking a few bites of the soft ones. Now, what would you think if Jesus had said, okay, that sounds good to me. What would, what would you think if Jesus said, sounds good, let's do it. And if he turned those stones into bread and he ate them, what would you think? You ever thought about that? What if Jesus had listened to the devil? And it doesn't sound too bad because it never really does in the beginning, does it? Just turn these stones into bread. That seems pretty innocent to me. You know I'm hungry. I've been out here with you 40 days, haven't eaten. You know I'm hungry. 
It always sounds good. It leads with a lie that's enticing and tempting a little bit. Notice the Bible doesn't say that uh, Satan said, if thou be the son of God, turn those stones into Brussels sprouts. Turn that stone into something, swamp cabbage. I don't know. It, was a, it has to be appealing. Otherwise, of course, you're not going to do it. But had Jesus listened to the devil, that means he would have submitted to the devil's dominion. He would have allowed the devil to have a say in his life, and he would have become obedient to whatever he says. And so even though it, it may sound a little, uh, a little innocent at first or it may seem harmless at first, but I'm here to tell you if it's coming from the enemy, you don't need to listen to anything that he's saying because it's wrapped with lies. It's not going to end up good for you. And so we just need to silence the devil, not listen to what he has to say, and definitely not do what he's suggesting to do. You stand with me today. Instead, Jesus responds with the word of God. That's his only response is he quotes the words of God, which the Bible tells us is the sword of the spirit. That is our only weapon, the sword of the spirit. We have all the other armor, but our only weapon is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And so if you're going to respond to the enemy, the only thing you need to be saying is the word of God. Just be quoting the word of God back to him. Why? Because that is our sword. That's how we fight back with the word of God. But Satan keeps talking. Again, if you let him, he'll talk, he'll talk all day, all night. He talks again, and he responds. Jesus responds again with the word of God. And so if we are going to respond to the serpent, it should only be with a rebuke, as we saw with Michael and Jesus rebuked the devil, but also with the word of God. Anything besides that, and you just start conversing with him. We got no time to listen to the devil, to get in a nice little uh, small talk conversation. No. Our response to the devil would be, I, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And you start quoting scripture. That's our only response to the enemy. That's all they deserve because uh, anything more than that, we start talking. The last temptation. The devil quotes the word of God against Jesus. Don't think the devil doesn't know the Bible. He reads the year. He, he reads the annual, the one-year Bible every year. He knows the Bible. That's why he uses it against people. Ninety percent truth, ten percent lie. It's all you need. And so the devil starts quoting the Word of God, and he tells Jesus that if you throw yourself down. Because the word of God says that angels will keep charge over you. And you won't break a single bone in your body. And so, just jump off of this cliff. Let's quote the word of God right there. And this, what the devil is talking about, is divine protection. He knows there's divine protection. He's admitted it here, and he knows that there's protection around Jesus Christ. That's why he's quoting the word of God, trying to get him down. That there is a divine hand 
upon the very people of God. The people that God gives His authority and power to, you better rest assured that there's angels watching over you. That there's a divine protection, a divine uh, umbrella over you, and the devil cannot do anything about it, and he knows it's there. He knows it's there. He went to he went to to God talking about Job and said, "Well, you, I can't do anything because you got this protection, this level up, this level up." And God says, "I'll take some away." The devil knows there's protection around you. He can't get to you unless he has permission, or unless he can convince you. The only way he's getting in is if God lets him in, or you let him in. You let, the, you let him sit there and talk and do a sales pitch to you and tell him how, how worthless you are and how no, how no good you are and how God doesn't love you and, and start oppressing you and, and, and causing you uh, to, to be depressed and hopeless in spirit. You start listening to those things and guess what? You start opening up to what he has to say. I'm here to tell you that those are lies from the depths of hell because they come from the devil and so we don't need to be listening to those things or or, or obeying them. Instead, we need to respond with the Word of God. James 4 and 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Everyone always quotes the last half. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Well, if you don't do the first part, he ain't, he ain't going anywhere. People skip out half the verse and they wonder why the devil's uh, sleeping on their couch. And they can't, he can't get them out. Well, if you don't submit yourself to God, he's going to stick around because uh, submitting to God, he understands. Once you submit to God, that's when the dominion comes down. That's when the power comes down. That's when the authority comes down. And he's not going to stick around if to somebody who's submitted to the word of God. Jesus tells us, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's the power that you and I have. But are, do we believe that? Do we believe in that power that God has given us? Are, are we going to use that? Do we use that power or we just put it on the shelf and hope that things go our way and things that happen? No. I'm here to tell you that God has given us, if you've been filled with the Spirit, you've been filled with the power from another world that the devil cannot do anything about and that there's protection around you that he can't get through. And so today, I think it's it's only worthy that we start saying, devil, your, your days are done. Your days are done in my life. We're not listening to you anymore. We're going to rebuke you in Jesus' name. Because we have the power and the authority by the Spirit of God. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter if it's a sickness. Sickness can be from the spirit of infirmity. And guess what? If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, guess what you have? You have power over that. You have power over all the enemy. And so we're going to declare today our power and authority through God and whatever is going on in your life. If you need prayer today, if you need a little help, if you're being a little discouraged, if the enemy's speaking into your life, come on, come on down. We're going to pray together and we're going to get the divine order and set, set in stone because we are in charge. 
God has given us the power and authority. Come on, is there, what do you need from God today? What is the devil trying to take from you? Come on, there's power here today. Let's not leave the same way. Let's leave here transformed on fire for God. Break every chain. There's power here. Break every, break every chain. chain. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, break every that's a good start for you today. Let somebody chain. know, I want to get baptized. I want the life that God has for me. There is power. There is power. Come on. Let's come and surrender to him. Let's walk out of here in the power and authority. Distraction. Break every chain. Push through that flesh. To break every, to break every chain. To break oh, every we chain. We want God's will to today. Break every chain. We can see there's power. There is power in the name of Jesus. Oh, there is power. There is power. We're in this together. Why don't you find somebody to pray with? Come on, encourage them. Speak a word of faith in our life. God is for us. Who can be against us? In the name of Jesus, we're declaring victory today. We're not playing anymore. Just call upon him. Just close your eyes and raise your hands. Let God talk with you. Cry out to him. Lord, he wants to fill somebody today. We can break every chain in your life. Every stronghold, every hindrance. We come against the name in the name of the Lord Jesus.
Freedom. At the sound of freedom. At the sound 
church. Sing it again. Sing. I see the chains. I see the chains.